All right, nine after 11 o'clock then. Let's get into our final conversation. We're taking a look at Africa Unlocked and focusing on Libya. Let me welcome Professor Pamanda Zondi, who is Director of the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. Professor Zondi, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, good morning and good morning to the listeners. Um, we're focusing on Libya today. Before we get into the current um, issue that has gotten the attention of everybody, which is around this looming election, let's talk about the state of Libya today. How would you describe the uh, current state of affairs in that country? Um, oh, come on. Uh, complete instability. Uh, deeply divided, uh, economically de- degenerating, uh, caught up in an unending cy- cycle of conflict and jostling for power among many political factions that are seeking to control uh, Libya. Complete loss of direction, uh, lack of national cohesion, lack of national vision. Um, it, it's complete disaster. Um, a complete opposite of how it was when NATO invaded it uh, in order to deal with their enemy, Muammar Gaddafi, in 2011. Complete disaster. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seems, of course, when we look at at least the histor- historical record, that that particular invasion has left Libya um, for the worse, and absolutely not for, for the better. I think the reality on the ground speaks for itself. And, and uh, Kathy, we, we've known this. We knew it at a time, and we've known it. Invasions never fix anything. They create new cycles of instability. We had, at that time, had seen in a period of about 10 years what had happened to Iraq when the, when the United States went there. Uh, looking for what turned out to be, did not exist, but was completely conjured up deliberately to uh, put uh, American um, military equipment to some practice, uh, killing off in the process of uh, over 5,000 people. We know exactly what had happened in, in Afghanistan as well. So we knew that this was going to be disaster. And then when they went to Iraq, they had been warned. But they didn't care. What they cared about was uh, uh, testing certain strategies about how NATO could deal with its enemy in the future and use Libya as an experiment to do that. And as a result, uh, well over 20,000 people have died and the country is in complete turmoil. Its resources were completely looted first by the U.S., the U.K., and France, that uh, the lead of this, and then later by all manner of other rivaling forces that are in, in place right now. And the ordinary Libyan has been the biggest uh, casualty in the whole thing. Is, 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 is the holding of elections a crucial part of trying to restore some order to Libyan society? I am not even sure anymore. The script we get from the dominant forces in the world is that you need to hold elections because the beginning of democracy leads to stability. That's the ideology. 
that is being told, and that's the dream that has been sold. Uh, but we've known it uh, many, many a times that if you introduce elections in Afghanistan uh, without bringing stability, without getting national consensus, without uh, getting the country to decide which direction it wants to go and how it wants to be governed, you simply introduce democracy, you please those who, who need to sell democracy as their civilizational offering, uh, but may not solve the problem on the ground. Election would simply install some uh, one of the three, four major factions and then start a new cycle of others fighting against that faction that you installed. So election is a, is a region we have come to adopt from the West as a panacea for conflict. Uh, but it, it doesn't work in situations where there has not been and some form of national consensus. It worked in South Africa because uh, for the election in 1994 to work, there needed to be that work that took place between 1991 and 1994. There were four years of trying to build a national consensus, then did election on the basis of that. But in, in many cases, what is being asked is start with the election and the election will somehow fizzle out. It's almost like it's kind of a sewage or of some form, like a miracle, uh, kind of a miracle tool uh, to fix things. And unfortunately, it will not fix uh, Libya, not under current conditions. This, this point that you're raising is important because um, as we get into December, we will have then the first year, we'll be marking a year basically since the postponement of that election in 2021. And there is a sense, including from the United Nations, that if an election is not held soon, the situation in Libya will continue to deteriorate. But the bigger question, I think, for me is, do you actually have an environment that is conducive for elections to be held that will be seen as free and fair such that even the, the election outcome is one that can be um, a, a acknowledged and, and accepted by everybody. And this is all, all of the different warring sides that, that we're seeing in Libya right now. You hit the, um, the nail in the head, uh, Katie, there. Um, it's <laughs> the assumption that if the elections are not held, the, the stability will, um, will continue. Uh, is based on the religion, the belief that elections are somehow a panacea, that uh, liberal democracy is a panacea in all situations, doesn't matter what conditions are. Now, when we hold elections uh, in, the, in the conditions of instability, it's like putting a golden ring uh, on a dirty snout and hope that there will be beauty somehow. Um, what they don't quite realize is that the election itself may further re-engineer the conditions that lead to this rivalry and this, this, this conflict and this deep division among various factions, which, by the way, are proxy forces for other forces, the global forces in the world. What we do need is these forces that are fighting over Libya, that fought over Libya from 2011, to find within themselves uh, that uh, grace to give Libya a little bit of a breather and, and allow the Libyans uh, to find consensus among themselves. And that consensus must lead to, might lead to elections. And, and then they begin the stability. Uh, the external forces need to realize 
that they can get all they get in there and uh, as further damage in Libya, but the implications will be felt far and wide. You get big, huge migration into Europe, and Europeans are worried about it, but they forget that they create conditions for this huge migration. Mm-hmm. You get migration within Africa, you get the proliferation of small arms, they now banded across the Sahel. And we're now battling with it, spending a lot of money trying to deal with it. Let us deal with the root cause, which is let Libya fix itself and lead to elections. And then we can solve many other problems that ripple out of Libya. Professor Zondi, who forms part of the so-called divergent interests um, that, 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 that are external but that have a stake in Libya? It, it is um, various Western powers um, that are there. It is the Russians, it is the Turks, uh, it is the Gulf states, all seeking to achieve some form of vision of their own uh, through Libya also, or, or if you put it bluntly, uh, seeking to impose their vision of Libya on Libya. Uh, instead of allowing the Libyans themselves to develop their own vision, as it has happened in other countries where transition happened successfully, including in South Africa and many other countries. And, 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 the, and these factions are not going to let off because besides trying to impose their vision, they are also using Libya to fight their own geopolitical battles, pretty much like what you see in Ukraine, where the world is not actually about Ukraine, but it's about U.S. and Russia. But the, the soil on which the two giants fight is Ukraine, and in this particular case, it's Libya, and it is the one that suffers. It is the old African saying that when two bulls fight, it is the grass that actually dies. And in this particular case, it is uh, Africa, the whole of Africa, is a site of rivalry between big, big powers. And uh, in Libya, is a specific example where that is uh, dramatic and, and atrocious. And, and, and unfortunately leads to serious destruction of life and economy and society and nation. It's 20 after 11 o'clock. We're in conversation with Professor Spamandla Zondi. We're looking at the political crisis um, unfolding in Libya. But of course, we know that the economic impact of the, the state of crisis that the, that the country is in has also been equally devastating. I'll take some of your contributions uh, to this conversation as well on 086-000-2032. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Professor Zundi, I want us to talk about the threats of partition that are now coming up where Libya is concerned. Um, what do you know about these threats? Is it a threat that, you know, the different, uh, the different sides that are seen to control certain parts of the country will what want the country to be separated into uh, different sections? Explain that to me. Uh, it, it should be remembered that at the beginning, at the very beginning of this uh, conflict, when the people of the western part of, of Libya began uh, to protest against the government of uh, Muammar Gaddafi, uh, there were already um, regional impulses you know, that that the AU had, de- had decided must be handled through that Gaddafi government. Uh, 
entering uh, negotiation uh, with the with the, the belligerents, and uh, but of course NATO would not allow that because it would mean Libya would unite and then would be stabilized, and then the NATO decided to really just bombard Libya and and you end up with where we are now. In the process of bombarding Libya, different uh, regionalized factions would take control of government, and then another another part would take will take over from that. And so, it would, Libya would be tossed between various regions uh, of, of Libya. But in in reality, these are not regions. It's really about big men, big warlords, uh, who come from certain regions, and they don't represent those regions, but they actually represent themselves. And uh, in order to advance their their views or the views of those forces that are behind them, the French, the, uh, the Russians, the Saudis, the Egyptians, and the UAE or uh, or the Americans, they, then they would coach it in the language of a region. Uh, they, it, it, we've known it from the warlordism of Libya that warlords uh, find greater uh, protection. Uh, always first seek to take over government. If they cannot take over government, they then want a piece of the territory uh, so that they have a province that they fully control and they can dominate. And that is what has been happening uh, in Libya. And the, and the choice of these is pretty arbitrary in a number of cases, but in some cases has to do with where a warlord was born. Mm-hmm. Who, who would you say currently has access to Libya's oil reserves and who is benefiting from this crisis that uh, exists in the country? Uh, the West, um, Russia, Turkey, uh, the Gulf states. Mm. Uh, they all have a piece of it because it depends on when on on, on uh, the fortunes on the ground. When a when mercenaries you are behind, or when proxy forces you back, take control of a mine and a minefield or an oil field, you get to benefit out of it. We know that huge resources have been siphoned out of Libya uh, through the different factions that get to control this or that part of Libya mm. and use it to 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 move resources outside. And for because for that reason, it's very hard for these uh, foreign forces to let go of Libya because they really benefit very concretely, and they benefit in illicit ways. And therefore, they don't have to take pack taxes, they don't have to pay duties. So it's really, really cheap uh, find. And then they're building up their reserves of oil and natural resources and mineral resources that they never actually bought in a free and, and open market. Mm. And the difficulty, of course, is that um, it raises scrutiny over whether any of these players can be honest brokers, even when it comes to trying to mediate or or talk about having some kind of peace in Libya, especially if if there is a benefit that is is accruing uh, to some of them. Let me quickly just take Michael in Kabeha. Michael, good morning. Thank you, Katie, and and the professor there. Um, just a, a quick one. Mm. If the, the playing field was, was level, right? I'm, I'm talking about the geopolitical playing field. If, if it was level, then Barack Obama, Clinton, Bush, Blair, 
these men should be standing trial for, for, for war crimes if, if the playing field was level. And Hillary, they, they, might, they might be at the Hague, at the ICC, on trial for, for, for war crimes. Because Libya, um, Libya was such a developed country. You know, when Gaddafi took over in 1950, when the, the, the king, who was a puppet of the West, they were sitting off the oil from, from Libya. He was living very large, but not the people. When Gaddafi took over, fast forward, Gaddafi developed Libya so much that the Libyan currency, the dinar, it was stronger than the dollar. The dinar. Healthcare was free. Education was free. There was no interest on loans. It was, it was a beautiful country and highly developed. And the people loved Gaddafi. But you see, when you have a strategic asset like oil, crude, the West, they are not going to leave you alone. And that's what has happened to Libya. They, the West, they come in in the name of democracy. But history has shown us that this democracy can be very violent because they want something that you have, and then they can destabilize the whole country and then get access to what they can lay their hands on. And that's what has happened in Libya. The country is in chaos. It is it's ruined. It is ruined. And then you then have the same actors that caused the problem now coming in to say we are going to solve it. How so? I'm just going to leave it there. Professor Zondi, what do you make of that contribution? <laughs> well stated. It is exactly what was what is in your question before we took this caller. Um, it's exactly the point. That's exactly the issue. Um, the 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 huge, uh, hugely powerful external forces uh, that now must be trusted to assist, uh, mediate, uh, must assist uh, transition Libya uh, to a, a new future are themselves implicated in, in the conditions Libya are. But, you know, we, the, 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 the disgraced uh, Minister of Finance in the UK, who, who resigned about a, a month ago, precipitating a collapse of government, Kwasi Kwateng, when he was still open-minded, he wrote a book called Ghost of Empire, and he said in that book, um, the, the, the power of empires and the manner in which they have, they have functioned uh, before and after colonialism is what he called audacity of self-belief. They have so much audacity that they believe themselves um, when they come in use arms to solve a problem. And they have this audacity to also come back a day later and be the peacemakers. It is audacity of self-belief that enables them uh, to operate recklessly and not see contradictions in the in their positions. And unfortunately, until the level between the playing field has been leveled, we'll have to contend with that. And, and indeed, um, those who have the power will call the shots, and they will not be held accountable because they can't hold themselves accountable. But they will be the first ones to shout that. Uh, uh, shout out how others must be held accountable mm, and forget mm. that they have not been accountable. And I'm now calling for Russia to be held accountable, but they would not. They they, they don't see contradictions. They, they too need to account. Mm.
All right, we're going to continue this conversation in a moment. It's now 11.30. Time for your latest news. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're still staying with our focus on Libya. Let me go to, is it Marvin in Ekuruleni? Good morning. Hi, very good morning to you, uh, Kathy. Yes. And how are you? I'm well, thank you, Marvin. Great stuff. Uh, it's the first time caller on your program. <laughs> you see, that's why I'm even struggling with your name. Great to have you on the show. Thanks <laughs> Thank for you. calling in. You're, you're welcome. I normally call Stephen Crotez in the morning. Okay, great. Uh, a quick one. Uh, thanks for taking the call once more. Uh, the, the, the gentleman just spoke to you now. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I want to be straight to the point. He said, if I understood him very well, he said, no, Barack Obama is supposed to be charged for war crimes because of what happened into Libya. I am sure you know very well, and even the listeners out there who are listening right now, they know very well. Uh, America didn't invade Libya to get rid of uh, uh, what's name of Muammar Gaddafi. Do, do you recall? Hello, Katie? Maven, I- I'm listening oh, to you. I'm giving oh, you a chance oh, to make your point. Oh, okay, yes. thank you, thank you, mm. thank you. And then so... Uh, there, there, there was already civil war, and not even NATO as such. America did go there because America is part of NATO, of course, <clears throat> to try to quell what was happening there. And Gaddafi himself, much as the, the gentleman said, he really has put America on the world map by upgrading Libya here. There was no education. I mean, uh, education was free. Everything was free, even up to tertiary level. There, I agree with him 100%. Even when you go to university, you didn't pay anything, but only when you come out, the government could see you will get a job, you will be, if you want to start your own business, uh, Libya will, the government of Libya of uh, Muammar Gaddafi will assist you. But demo- democracy was zero. That's what we also experience in our country. So, and even him, Gaddafi, he, he didn't want to, he had own power, even Italy. The former col- uh, uh, colonial of Libya said to him, come to, uh, uh, to Italy and then leave them there. He refused to, 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 to close the matter. Gaddafi was killed by his own people, by Libyans. Even the guy that killed Gaddafi, he, he stabbed him with a knife. He didn't shoot him. And then they caught him later on. They also killed him. So sometimes we must have our facts together. America, I'm not a, 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 a ANC. I mean, uh, I mean, a member, but I, I support, uh, I mean, where, where things have to be supported. America, go in, even in Iraq, America didn't go to Iraq. Iraq in, uh, invaded Kuwait, we know all, in 1990. And then America and British, not NATO, again, people say NATO. And then again, there, America came to the, to the rescue of the, of the I mean, Iraqis. So even like now, what is happening, the role lastly, uh, what America is playing in, in Ukraine, Russia, we can all see, we are not blind eyes, how much money has America has spent now to assist Ukraine. And the poor Ukraine uh, is fighting hand to the nail because Russia wants to play Big Brother and do this and this. These people of autocrats. What is more, uh, uh, Putin is doing? Vladimir Putin is hanging to power, killing his own people. Hmm? No, that, how many people there has left? All the young people left Libya, went to Georgia, they ran away because they have been conscripted into uh, the army. There. No. 
that, that gentleman is wrong. I can take him for, for debate. Obama or any American uh, president didn't do anything. Uh, the only thing that I can blame America lastly is the Vietnam War. Much as I was very young that time, mm. I was a toddler. That one, when I read the history, there, America, uh, during the time when Muhammad Ali refused to go to war, that one, it was right. But this other was where America intervened. They are going there only to help those countries because the other country is big brother. So, no, people <laughs> must have their faith. Okay? All right. Okay, my man. Thank Thanks for that contribution. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm laughing because of the use of that big brother term uh, that my man was referencing there. And of course, uh, uh, Professor Zondi, we hear it quite a lot, right? Especially in the context of international relations. And in fact, um, it's that very concept that is often, uh, you know, lambasted that who appointed uh, some of these countries the big brother of, of the rest of the world? <laughs> Yeah, isn't there a contradiction there? There is an African <laughs> giving a spirited defense to an imperial uh, project. He says uh, uh, the America went to uh, Iraq because Iraq had gone to uh, Kuwait. But who licensed the America to go there? Not even licensed by the UN. They just went there on their own. He is too naive to, accept, to to simply assume that America just goes because it's a nice country and it's trying to solve problems to Africa. It's being a good uh, big he can brother. You continue to dream on it doesn't quite work. Okay. It isn't like a good big brother. <laughs> but of course, there have always been Africans who, have, who, who supported colonial forces, even during the colonial uh, era. There have always been Africans who, who supported colonial forces. It's, it's part of the division of uh, views. Uh, there will always be people who support oppressors. And, and I suppose. I mean, history itself it will always be contested uh, because people will interpret some of the events differently. That's true. Sometimes mm. in, rela- in relation to where they are at a particular moment and, and, and then interpret backwards. Absolutely. Let me go yeah. to Matlosana. Buisile, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mrs. Casey. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, it, it, it actually baffles me to... You know, to think exactly, you know, how, how much you treated, you know, out, out of the, you know, uh, 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 you know, a, a better Africa or the West Africa. I mean, uh, we know that, uh, you know, in some instances, you know, most of these wars that uh, you know created, I'm gonna speak largely, you know, uh, co- focusing on Africa. That this war, I mean, including Sierra Leone, this was sponsored war. You know, mm. uh, there was a guy earlier, I think, it was yesterday, talking to Stephen Cortez to say. You know, and you know, uh, the, these drugs that are being, you know, taken to Africa, you know, there's some third force element to it. And uh, the, the question that raised from your season, uh, your colleague, was that, uh, you know, who might be interested in that? In that? You know, I mean, of course, uh, these, these are not your official, you know, you know, public knowledge that, you know, you know that you have your market, uh, what's the name, your basis of this world, you know, who sponsored these, you know, now interesting wars that we've seen Sierra Leone and so forth and so forth. And my 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 most important question and uh, take the contribution to Dr. Pamanda is what role you know because there was a declaration there was a, a signature from Africa I mean what participation did Africa you know took uh, towards the, the ultimate killing of Dr. Mohamed uh, Gaddafi uh, you know I mean there was uh, what was the AU role you know during the, the build up towards the war you know what was the intervention I believe Zuma was you know, president at the time and and then now this comes back to say 
is this freedom for real? You know, are, are we not really compromising? I mean, if we, we, we find it you know, tough for us to access certain information, you know, now that some certain information is classified under God knows what, is this, is this freedom for real? You know, it just, you know, almost comes, it brings us to your Malcolm X, you know, where, you know, you have this capital, uh, uh, capital and, and weight people, I know what's infected and what is actually referred to, you know, I, 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 unfortunately, I'm going to refer to it as, as it's been referred to as a niggas. There was House Niggas and, 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 and the Field Niggas. This is a book from Malcolm X, you know, where certain Africans were believed to be a better, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a niggas than the rest. And then it, it, it's almost that, 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 that culture is being ongoing and, you know, almost, it's been, you know, almost uh, brought and remodeled and somewhat brought back to, to, to exactly uh, uh, modern terms. You know, I mean, why Mohammed Gaddafi was compromised? What was the AU role in that? You know, what participation, what happened for that declaration for, by AU while they were standing and watching the war being taken? I mean, what is the rationale in that? You know, All I mean, right. Y- yes, yes. I mean, All I right, we see it. Matter, may, may, yeah, may, mm. may take us, you know, a, 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 just bring, bring us more, more, more like mm. And yeah, and, and of course, I'm, I must say, we see that we have to be careful, especially when, um, you know, speaking on, 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 on a platform like the public broadcaster around using uh, words particularly that mm. are... Um, derogatory and discriminatory and so uh, i just have to caution you uh, against the use of 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 the n-word there um just just please be mindful of that mboyana in mafikeng yes now I, I want to talk to also something about libya you see the countries like libya iraq afghanistan syria all this is a muslim country so America wanted to eliminate Islam in another way. That was the idea, because the, the, the similarity of this Asian suffering is exactly what is Africa today. Mm. You find out the alien people in Africa, they occupied the entire African land. And we're talking about freedom. Yeah. There's no freedom. Okay. And you can ask even the the professor this. Related to the the issue of land, what is his opinion? Mm. Okay, Mboyana. Let me give Professor Zondi a a chance to come come in. Uh, You've heard what our listeners have had to say, Professor Zondi. Do do you agree with all of them? I... uh, (laughs) We, the conversation must continue. Um, the conversation must continue. Um, indeed, uh, what the uh, the U.S. has uh, positioned itself as. Remember, the U.S. when it sees the world, it sees it not just in terms of country to country. It is in terms of civilizations. Which civilization must, must be in power and which civilization must not be in, in control. And then those civilizations are not good or bad but it's about our civilization controlling the world. And it sees its civilization as Christian, uh, as liberal, as Western, uh, and, and therefore it must dominate or anything else that is an aberration today. So when it says a country is not democratic, you agree with it because you're thinking democratic democracy. They don't mean democracy. They speak in, in tongues. And they simply mean it's, it's challenging the civilization we belong to. 
um, because otherwise, how would it explain that it caused a democracy, a country where 30% of the population is voting, and uh, the leader is gets 51% of the 31%. Um, but then it's going to call a country where there's general consensus about what happened, non-democratic. It's civilizational. And, 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 and Islamophobia comes out of it. Uh, Anti-black racism comes out of this. Uh, patriarchy, patriarchal attitude comes out of this. Uh, and all of that are part of, of that thing. The, the U.S. sees itself as uh, a guardian of a civilization that is now about 600 years old. And the civilization that gave us colonialism, gave us slavery, gave us imperialism, gave us wars, three, two world wars, and many other things. But it is civilization that it sees in positive light because a bully, Katie, will never see their negative thing. They always think that whatever they are doing, they are doing for good or they are demonstrating their good. They are demonstrating strength, as I can put it. They are demonstrating power. But for the one who is being bullied, so sees pain, uh, sees hurt and all of those things. So the bully has to learn to understand why the ones that are victims of their bullying behavior sees them in a negative light. It's just natural. And, and therefore, the, the story about uh, targeting Arab countries and then, and then and, and targeting countries that were non-capitalist or anti-capitalist, like they do now with Cuba, they do now with Venezuela, uh, and other things. They cherry-pick them uh, on the basis of where they stand in relation to the civilization that the, Ameri- the Americans uh, believe they are get a given God-given right to promote and and by force if it need be. Professor Pamandla Zondi, let me thank you so much for uh, your time and for coming on to the show, for sharing your own uh, views and contributions to this conversation. Uh, Professor Zondi is the director of the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. Let me thank all of our listeners for your engagement and participation over the last three hours of The Talking Point. Coming up next is the book reading. And of course, we are back with you tomorrow morning as we wrap up the week that has been.